Welcome everyone to AFL by Dummies. The AFL season is up and running. Uh, it's been three weeks so far and three very interesting weeks. Chocolate Ross, what was the best thing you saw all weekend? I think the best thing from this week has to be uh, the Canberra game. Um, so GWS played Fremantle in Canberra and Canberra is known for being particularly windy. So a lot of the balls, like they kicked it and either the ball went at a right angle or the ball went backwards, which is always hilarious to watch our professional football players struggle on a football field. But my particular highlight has to be how the commentators think they're oh so funny by making sandpaper references when the ball takes a right angle. Just like, oh, I can't remember the commentator's name, but uh, Ryan Griffith took a shot at goal and essentially went at 90 degrees and it's like, oh, they got the sandpaper out for that one. And then Nick Rewalt chimes in and is like, I don't think you can fit that sandpaper in your underwear. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, to commentators out there, nice try, but uh, didn't quite work for me, at least. Yeah, leave it to the experts. Not us. Not us. <laughs> the, the, the actual, you know, comedians and stuff. Yeah. Melbourne Comedy Festival's on right now. Go see them. They're the experts. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they're making a joke about the uh, Canberra game on the weekend, obviously, right? <laughs> Definitely. My highlight for the weekend, um, I mentioned this in our podcast form last week. Tory Dixon, the man is back, and I'm so excited to have him back. He chased down... What's his name? The Irishman, Connor McKenna, last week in a fantastic chase and tackle. And this week, a beautiful banana from the boundary line from a guy that used to be one of the most reliable forwards in the competition. He's just fallen off a cliff in the last season. And to see him back playing good footy over the last few weeks, I'm very much excited about it. So having him back, I'm very much excited about that. And you know what else I'm excited about? What? Round one of our competition, right? This is a joke that will rival none other. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Okay, so... Basically, on Friday night, we began the round with Collingwood v Adelaide. Do you remember this game? Now, Adelaide won convincingly, as they should, being the reigning grand finalists and Collingwood being a terrible side, right? Wait, what? Yeah, no. So, what actually happened was that Collingwood smashed Adelaide. Like, not just beat them, but, like, smashed them. Like, like comfortably looked the better side. So, I decided that if Collingwood is going to beat Adelaide in Adelaide, then, therefore, it must be upside-down world. Yeah, so that's we are, a fair, you know... We are living in the upside-down land. Now now that we have worked that out, I have, how, how to put this, um, observed some new things about our new world that have proven to me that it is, in fact, upside-down world. Would you like to hear them? Yeah. Well, first of all, I have observed that um, David Warner won the Alan Border Medal for Best and Fairest Australian Player over the last year. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty confident it's upside-down Yeah, world. I'm pretty confident <laughs> it's upside-down. <laughs> Um, in other news, pineapple is crowned best pizza topping. Uh, so you're not a fan of pineapple on pizza? I, I, no, I just, I just think there's a consensus. Pineapple is not, does not go on pizza. If it's crowned best pizza topping, it's upside down world. Oh, things, no. are, things are wrong. <laughs> we're an IFL show. We'll stick away from uh, <laughs> topics like that, at least. Well, if we're going to stick away from food topics, let's talk about gun violence. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <clears throat> Do you know how I know it's upside down world? Because all the other kids, with their pumped-up kicks, start to run, start to run, (laughs) actually helping them outrun the guns, leading to a reduction in school shootings. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good song. Let's just leave that aside. And yes, yes, I do like that. And the final bit of information that has um, led me to know that this is definitely upside down world, aside from the fact that Collie was beating Adelaide, is that S Club 7 released the best-selling album of 2018. Oh, no. No way. They're back. Wow, we really do live in an interesting world, yeah. or as you put it, an upside-down world. We, we live in an upside-down world, and if Collingwood's going to be a good side, then I don't want to live in it anymore. <laughs> it's time we to... thought it was bad enough Richmond winning the grand final. Now uh, now Collingwood's playing good. Yep. I swear if they make finals this year, it's just like, uh Yep, nah, I'm out. What's your first piece of analysis for this week? So, this week wasn't the greatest weekend of football ever. It doesn't take a genius to look at it. In fact... 
I was having a look at the coaches association voting, right? And essentially after the game, the coaches give five, four, three, two, one votes to each player. Aside from the Sydney Western Bulldogs game, there was only two players on losing teams that got votes in the other eight games. Ouch, who were they? So those two players were Robbie Gray and Stephen Hill. And they're like solid players, but they're yep. not amazing players. So every other losing team get, didn't get one person vote for them. That is a very strong reason as to why this round of footy was very, very poor. Yeah, there's just not a lot of uh, particularly even games outside of that Sydney Western Bulldogs game, which was a great game, by the way. But having one good game of football in a weekend doesn't really cut it. You have a look at last year, and I believe it was about round nine or ten. We'd already had, I believe, 20 games decided by less than a goal, which was like a record. And it was one of the best starts to the season ever, just because of how close the competition was. Whereas this season, and the competition looks close, but it's the results are coming in the form of blowouts and like teams are just beating each other essentially, but they're beating each other comfortably. So I think it's still as close a competition, but like what a terrible round of football. Uh, attendances were as low as ever, uh, which is probably due to a couple of games in Tasmania, Canberra and Geelong, but still a uh, pretty bad weekend for the AFL, I would have thought. Yeah, who'd want to go to Geelong? <laughs> I'd go to Geelong if we got the win. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, St Kilda's not getting a win anytime soon, Alex. Oh, no. I feel so sad about it. We, we should have a talk about St Kilda's fixture sometime. Anyways, uh, we're going to move to round two. And it's my turn for a joke. And uh, this is like a joke, but it's more about me just complaining as well and trying to do it in a funny manner. But on the weekend, we had uh, North Melbourne play Carlton. I know, an absolute blockbuster of a match right there. And it was that... Tasmania. And Tasmania has been crying out for an AFL side for a very long time. They've been pretty upset by the GWS side and the Gold Coast side come through. So what better way to uh, just say stuff you than send North Melbourne and Carlton down to Tasmania and be like, this is the football you're getting. This is B-grade football. It may as well be the VFL. Anyways, so I was like, well, that's pretty disappointing if you're a Tasmanian football fan, even if you go for North Melbourne or Carlton. And I thought, you know what? Surely the games get better for Tasmania across the year, so I'll have a look at the games that are happening at Tasmania this year. So at uh, Blundstone Arena, so North Melbourne Carlton, North Melbourne GWS. That'll be one-sided. Yep. Uh, and North Melbourne Eagles, which could actually be an okay that be, game. That could be interesting. Yep. So one out of three interesting games there. Yep. And then at the new University of Tasmania, I believe it is, they have Hawthorne St Kilda. Ooh. That won't be good. If you were looking at that at the start of the season, you would have said that was a reasonably interesting game. Looking at that now, no. Yeah. You got uh, Hawthorne Port Adelaide, which is the second game, which could be interesting. That could be fantastic. Yep. And then Hawthorne Gold Coast and Hawthorne Brisbane. Ouch. Like, I, I just feel sorry for them. How can you not feel sorry for them? You're not getting football. There, Tasmania doesn't have the biggest population ever, but it's quite a good football state. You look at some of the best players that are coming out of Tasmania. You've got Jack Rewalt, uh, Toby Nankervis. They both happen to be premiership players. They're, they're all right. Lockie Weller got traded for a number two draft pick last year, which is more of a lull than anything, really. He's not actually worth that much. But I just feel sorry for Tasmania. You, you have to deal with that sort of terrible level of football. And then it gets worse from there. So Tasmania don't have an A-League team. They don't have a W-League team. They don't have an NRL team. They don't have an NBL team. They don't have a WNBL team. They don't have a Super League team. What is the Super League? Uh, it's like a rugby union, essentially. Ah, it's the oh, yeah, South African, right. Australia, New Zealand conference. Yeah. Tasmania don't have much. So, like, this leads me to question... Are they actually part of Australia from a sporting perspective? you got the Hobart Hurricanes and that's it. I was going to say, 
surely they have the Hurricanes, but that's it. That's it. And the Hurricanes suck. Didn't they? Oh, no, they won this year, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they're a terrible side, Alex. An absolutely terrible side. But they've sucked in years past. Yes. So, like, I mean, there's nothing much to get excited about as a Tasmanian fan. And there's actually, Tasmanians got their own football league. And a couple of sides are, like, dying out from that because there's just not enough support. Because all the AFL does by bringing the games down there is steal money out of Tasmania, really, when you think about it. So I would like to see a Tasmanian team... Who needs a second Brisbane team, honestly? like Right, was somebody campaigning for a second Brisbane team? No, as in, like, there's the Gold Coast. Oh, so you're saying the Gold Coast is the second Brisbane team. Yeah, essentially. They're the second Queensland team. You don't really need both of them. Fair. I don't know. I just don't rate it at all. I'm fine with um, Gold Coast and Brisbane and Greater Western Sydney the way they are now, but if I was to make another team from here, I would want it to be Tasmania. Yeah, or, um, ha- or China. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, once I get the Chinese involved, it's going to get very interesting. <laughs> um, solid bit of humour there from you. Um, let's see if my analysis can take it down. So, I've decided to have a look at Brisbane in a new segment I like to call Punching Down. Although, this will literally be Punching Down for me because Brisbane is one of the few teams on the ladder actually below St Kilda. <laughs> What is it? Two teams? Yeah, there are two teams. Yeah, Carlton. Um, Carlton and Brisbane. So I decided to pick on one of them. Um, I'll probably pick on Carlton next week. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you're going to give up with the show. You're not actually going to come after that. <laughs> um, and so I've decided to pick on some of Brisbane's, you know, players that are getting a little bit older now. So not the first-year players, not the second-year players, but the three- to six-year bracket that have, you know, played between 30 and um, 100 games, had a bit of experience, and look at where they're at in their careers and see if they're developing to the stage they should be at in comparison to the rest of the league. So, look, we're going to play a simple game. What can you tell me about these players? And if you can tell me anything about them, I will accept them as better players than I give them credit to. Oh, right. no. You ready? What do you know about Tom Cutler? Uh, he plays down back. He's average. He played one game this year. Well done. That's all I know about him as well. Nick Robertson. Oh, he's all right. Um, he's mainly a tagger. He, he, he tagged Dusty last year and held him. Yeah, that was the only thing I remember him doing ever. Yeah. Didn't he get suspended that week as well? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Sam Mays. Uh, he's another guy down back. He's so much better than he actually is. Reese Matheson. Uh, All I know he, about him is the celebrations. Yeah, the, the shooting gun celebration. Uh, Josh Walker. Uh yeah. Actually, funny story. A few weeks ago, Brisbane, um, the football club, posted on like they did like a post for their football club, essentially, and they said that his spot in the team was under fire. So your own club was coming after you. <laughs> I mean, imagine, imagine if your own football club is telling you, no, your spot's under like your own football club magazines, like yeah, your spot's under fire. You're not really that good, mind you. If you lost every week, you'd, you'd eventually have to come after some of them. Um, I yeah, I don't know much about Josh Walker personally, Jared. Barry. He debuted last year, didn't he? No, he's a third year. Yeah, this should... year is his third year. Okay. Rowan Buick. I <laughs> don't know anything about him. So those are, by my count, seven different players, all of which have be- played between 30 and 100 games but in uh, between third and seventh season with Brisbane, and they have got absolutely nowhere. I'm going to compare to you some of the players in the AFL right now who are in their second, third, and fourth seasons right now. All of these players who I'm about to list have played less than 50 games. None of them play at Brisbane. You ready? Ash McGrath, 
Callum Mills, Jaden Hunt, Ryan Burton, Peter Wright, Clayton Oliver, Charlie Kerno, Daniel Rioli. That is just some of the list of players who are considerably better than those players at Brisbane and who are in their younger age group than those Brisbane players. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of Richmond forwards you could put in that list as well, probably. Well, I chose Daniel Rioli because he's the best of them, in my opinion. Yeah. But, um, you know... Pick and choose Dan Butler. Yeah, and there the rest is definitely of them. a problem with player development at Brisbane. Uh, hopefully, Hodge helps with that. I'm guessing that's why he's there. But like, yeah, it's a, it's going to be a long rebuild. And the fact that these players have played up to you know between 30 and 100 games, and I don't know anything about them. Like, I Sam May is literally dummies, the only, though. Yeah, no, <laughs> but I, I actually do obsess a lot over football and try and learn a lot. And the fact that the only thing I can tell you about Sam Mays is that he was once a first-round draft pick and that he's a halfback flanker. The man's played 100 games. That's not good enough. No, it's not. I don't think Brisbane fans would think that's good enough. I know I'm just a random guy on the internet who nobody gives a shit about, <laughs> but um, <laughs> Brisbane fans would think that that's not good enough. No, it's definitely not good enough. Um, yeah, I can't see how there's hope for a Brisbane uh, fan out there. Maybe, maybe, Tasmanian team, <laughs> bring it on. Come on, who needs a Brisbane and a Gold Coast team? They're just too miserable at the moment. Let's uh, make Tasmanian fans miserable as well. Speaking of miserable, there's nothing more miserable than a gang of youths. Anyway, I did actually want to talk about St Kilda, but for the right reasons this week, and that's because I'm not actually talking about St Kilda, I'm talking about Geelong. And by Geelong, I mean GMHBA Stadium. Huh? What stadium's that? So GMHBA Stadium, if you had not heard, is the new stadium, and by new stadium, the new name of the old stadium, Geelong Stadium, which was previously called... Cadinia Park and, and Skilled, Skilled Stadium. Stadium and what was it last year? I can't even remember. I can't even remember but it, it literally had a different name last year. Yep. They've renamed it in the last three weeks. Yeah. Probably. Anyway, I decided that if I was in charge of Geelong's marketing team, right, if I was going to change the name every year, why not at least change it to something that has some kind of you know, personal relationship with Geelong. Now, you can still get a brand to endorse it, and that's key. You want that outside money to come in and, and give it to you, but you give it something that's a bit more relevant. So, I've got a few ideas as to a few different brands out there that Geelong could work with to help improve the name of GMHBA Stadium. So, next year, I pitch that they change the name to Dangerfield Field. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't even need the second no, field. You no, call that's it the Danger point. Field. I know some people think that, but it should be Dangerfield Field. Dangerfield, the clothing brand, can come in and invest, and it's Dangerfield Field. Okay, fair enough. Dangerfield Field. It's perfect. Right, you ready? My next one, this one I'm very confident in. This stadium is definitely named after Jordan Murdoch Incorporated Stadium, and Rupert Murdoch would have no involvement in it whatsoever. <laughs> no, yeah, he never has any involvement no, no, in no, any no. of the news. No, no, no. So, uh, Jordan Murdoch would absolutely get a stadium named after him. Like, it definitely wouldn't be called Murdoch Incorporated after anyone else. Um, my next one, I, I quite like this one. Zach Smith's Chips Arena. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I really like that. Yeah, I did enjoy this. And this one is my absolute favourite. Like, if you don't like this, I'm going to be so disappointed. Mitch Duncan's Donuts Ring. <laughs> <laughs> Dunk, Mitch Duncan, yeah, Donuts, I like it. So, um, you know, Geelong, <laughs> when, you, when you're thinking about your campaigning for which brand you're going to get on board next year, don't bother with GMHBA or Skilled or whoever the other ones were. Do we know? No. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, I was actually looking up something else. Uh, you know how 
Well, I've got one to add to the list, if that's all right. Yeah. So you know how Joel Selwood's known for uh, ducking? Yeah. I just looked up uh, duck companies, and um, the first one that comes up is Love a Duck. So it should be called Love a Duck Stadium. <laughs> Stadium. <laughs> I'm sure that would go down with well with all the away fans. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Geelong jump on there. In particular, I'd love to see Mitch Duncan's Donuts Ring. That would just be... Yeah. Even if you have to shorten it to Duncan's Donuts Ring, I'd be so on board with that. Yeah, and I'm sure I, everyone else out would there would be as well. It? Like Duncan as in Mitch Duncan or Dunking? No, you'd have to spell it as in Mitch Duncan. Yeah. I'd be disappointed if they didn't. Anyway, that is joke number two from me. What do you got for your second piece of analysis? Oh, I really like that. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just, just a little side hack. Okay. Well, it's going to be tough to beat that, but uh, I'm going to talk about something which is not as big an issue in the AFL at the moment. Um, you literally talked a week ago about how the tools are coming back in the league, the big key forwards, but I see an issue coming up in a couple of years, and you know, when it comes up in a couple of years, I can be like, hey, I said this years ago, I'm officially like the person who said this first. Okay, no, I'm not actually that petty. <laughs> Anyways, so... There is a big problem with uh, tools in the league, particularly up front, but kind of down back as well. The game's getting quicker and quicker, so obviously the definition of a tool is changing. You'd no longer have someone like Plugger sit uh, at the goal square all day. You have to be able to run up and back. You have to be able to provide pressure um, to retain the ball inside your 50. Now, so this has made it harder and harder for the tools to... Well, it's just made it more narrow, um, the skills that set that they need, and more difficult to achieve. So I'm going to go through the tools from the previous five drafts, like just all of them, and some of them are work, but the majority of them haven't. And these are the tools that in a couple of years have to start not necessarily dominating the league, but they're going to be the key tools at every club. And I just don't think that's going to happen. So from the 2013 draft, you had uh, Tom Boyd go number one has played one good game. Admittedly, that one game was A, a grand final, and B, incredible. Yeah. But, yeah, I see your point. He's not even making the best side at the moment. There are other issues outside of that. Yes. Uh, Cam McCarthy went at 14. I rate Cam McCarthy. Uh, He's not going to ever, like, dominate the league. No, but I think he's a good player. Uh, And Rory Lobb went 29. Now, I'm specifically focusing on first-rounders, but I thought Rory Lobb was a good one to throw in. Um, He's never had the impact that I think he should have. Um, I think he was immensely talented. 2014, Paddy McCartan. Yeah, we'll not talk about that. Yeah, Peter Wright went at eight. He's a gun. I don't think he's gotten quite there yet. I think he's far too fluctuating to ever be a presence in the league. I reckon he'll be the next Charlie Dixon as that second rock permanent forward role. I reckon he'll do it really well. Okay, well, hopefully he does that. And Darcy Moore went nine. Now, he's not exactly a tall, but he's close, but he's been destroyed by injuries. I think he will be one of the few that genuinely looks like he could be a dominant force in the game. Yep, as long as he stays away from injuries. Now, 2015 was a bad year. So, Wiedering went number one. Shaki went number two. Wiedemann went number nine. Uh, McKay went number ten. Charlie Kurnow went 12. Gun. Gun. And then Eric Wood went 14. So a whole bunch of tools in that draft. Only one of them's worked out. Uh, 2016, the only real tool was uh, Marshall, who went 16. And he's he looks do- like he looks like he'll be okay. Um, he's locked himself down in the forward line of one of the best sides in the competition. So credit where credit's due. Yep. And then last year, we had Norton go at 9. Bonner go at 11. We haven't seen him. And we haven't seen Brander, who went at 13 either but like those it's a bit hard on the 2017 ones but the other ones like 
they're just not where they should be. And I so then I decided to go through all the big tools in the league, and there's only a hand, little more than a handful that are under the age of 27 that I consider are almost like like the main key tool at their club dominating the league. And those are Ben Brown, Tom Lynch, Jesse Hogan, Jack Darling, Patton and Danaher. All the other tools are 27 and older. So most of the big tools in the game are about in their prime at the moment, but in a couple of years they're going to start to deteriorate, essentially. And those other tools are going to step up, and I just don't think they are. Which makes the Tom Lynch deal at the event, end of the year very interesting because everyone's going to want to lock down a key tool for the next five to ten years because there's just not enough of them to go around. And I could see in a few years everyone will be playing kind of like Richmond want to. Because they have to. Because they have to. Because there's just not enough big forwards who are mobile enough um, to make it work. So teams like Adelaide and West Coast who still play big at the moment may become almost extinct. Fair. I think that's some very good analysis. I Yeah, I'd be curious to see what happens when we lose, you know, Tex, Jack, Kennedy, Franklin. What happens to that next tier and whether or not they can stand up. Yeah, I think it's a very good piece of analysis. And look, I think that's part of the reason why they um, keep drafting players like McCartan so high, even though, you know, most people would look at Christian Petraka and go, he's a better player than Paddy McCartan from day one. But it's that need for tall forwards. There's that, more value placed on yes, a tall forward. Yeah, and, and they'd rather take a gamble on a tall forward and lose than, you know, get a small small forward rotation midfielder who they know is going to be a very good player. It's not going to necessarily be one of the best players in the competition where they know they can get that later down the draft. Yeah. But it's they'd rather take the gamble on the tall forward. And I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing a lot of those guys flop is because the expectation is that they're going to come in and dominate when the reality is that none of them were that great players in the first place. Yeah. But they have the pressure of being such high draft picks thrust upon them. Yeah. So um, we'll see what happens in the future. There are a few shining lights. I absolutely rate Jesse Hogan. I think he's a gun. Charlie Kerno has been fantastic. And we all know how good Tom Lynch is. So yeah. Hopeful for the future. It's time for round four, Alex, which means it's your last analysis. And you seem very confident about it. You have me worried, indeed. But I'm I'm feeling pretty good with this. So, on the weekend, I did something that I haven't done in a really long time. And I kept up with the A-League scores. Now, I'm not a big A-League fan. Let's just get that out there. But I needed it for a joke, and one team delivered, and I'm absolutely stoked. You have no idea. So for those of you who don't follow A-League, don't worry, I'm not going to talk about it too much. Uh, The Newcastle Jets scored eight goals now. We all know that's a lot. But guess how many teams in the AFL scored less goals than that, Alex? Uh, Just off the top of my head, Carlton, Gold Coast, uh, St Kilda... Melbourne, I think, kicked seven. Uh, Adelaide, I think, kicked seven. No, okay. Uh, did Adelaide kick eight? So Adelaide and Gold Coast kicked nine, so they okay. just got out of the buffer. They, they're they lucky. Uh, but it was five teams. St Kilda, Fremantle, Melbourne, Carlton, Brisbane Lions. So five out of the 18 clubs in the AFL scored less than a uh, A-League side. And now the A-League's one of the worst soccer leagues in the world, whereas the AFL is the premier AFL league in the world. Uh, they've also got four times the salary cap, just a side fact. But it's time for me to focus on one of those teams in particular. So that's bad enough as it is for the five clubs out there, but for uh, St Kilda, Fremantle, Melbourne and Carlton, I'm going to let you off the hook because 
Brisbane, you scored two goals on the weekend. So, do you want to know how many players in the AFL individually scored more than Brisbane on the weekend? 25. 23. 22. So I was going to say 23. So, I actually, like, just I'm not going to read it out, but I quickly put together a best 22. Pretty sure that best 22 could beat, Carl, uh, could beat Brisbane. <laughs> like, and then they actually have one in the emergencies as well. So, they've got a full squad. But I'm just going to read out, like, the most average players of the lot that scored more yeah, than yeah. an entire Brisbane team on the weekend. Yeah, tell me the bottom end. So, Jacob Townsend. Oh, jeez. Uh, Jaden Stephenson, playing his fourth game. Fourth game. <laughs> scored more. Jamie Cripps. I do rate Jamie Cripps. James Stewart. I rate James Stewart, but, yeah. like, scoring more than 22 plays. Yeah. Uh, Tim O'Brien. I, I genuinely rate Tim O'Brien, and we'll get to that soon. Uh, Dean Kent. I don't rate Dean Kent. Brandon Parfitt. <laughs> he had a fantastic game. He did. Uh he probably had more disposals than the entire Brisbane I team. I think he had more disposals than St Kilda, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, more effective disposals, at least. Yeah. And then Jack Watts also scored more than you. <laughs> you know you're doing pretty badly when Jack Watts scores more than you. So 23 players scored more than Brisbane on the weekend, which is ridiculous enough. But it gets worse. So I, I just went looking for some absolutely random facts. Like, stupidly random. So... Brisbane kicked as many goals as base jumpers died in March of this year. What? <laughs> now, I know base jumping isn't the safest thing ever, but, like, only two goals, Brisbane. Like, you should hang your head in shame. <laughs> there was as many funerals for base jumpers that died in March as you guys kicked goals on the weekend. What else you got? I've only got one more, and I found this one, and you are not going to believe this. Okay. So I was looking up, like, rare things on the internet, and, of course, it comes up with, like, natural phenomena that happen rarely, and it's, like, your fire tornado, your... Oh, what are they called? The Southern Lights or something yeah, like Northern that? Northern Lights. Northern Lights. Wrong yeah. direction. Yeah, well, at least... Yeah, well, that's the St Kilda Football Club motto for you right there. <laughs> Wrong direction. <laughs> Calm down. Jeez. <laughs> Anyways, so... There's actually this thing called snow donuts. Now, they're actually like a naturally occurring phenomena where I kid you not, it's just a donut standing upright in the snow. And like, here's how it's formed it's formed by a clump of snow falling off a cliff or a tree into the snowpack. And a and if the conditions and temperature are just right, as gravity takes over, it pulls the snow down and it rolls back on itself and it creates a ball and then the structurally weakest part of it is actually the centre. So the centre falls out and you have a snow donut. And it's actually, like, I'll show you a picture of it here. It is actually the coolest thing ever. So I reckon there was more snow donuts on the weekend created than Brisbane Lions <laughs> kick goals. <laughs> now, I have no official stat for that. None whatsoever. But I'm pretty confident that there was more snow donuts naturally created than Brisbane Lions kick goals in 120 minutes of football on the weekend. You hear that, Brisbane? You should be ashamed of yourself. The snow donuts... <laughs> I can't even say it straight. I don't even believe what I'm hearing. The snow donuts are putting you to shame. Like, you could search it up on the internet. It's genuinely a thing. That was something. <laughs> I'm not really sure what it was, but sure. You've cut down, like, so much of my time, though, that my analysis is going to have to be fast. Um, I want to talk to you about what I believe to be the fastest rebuild in the history of football, right? And this is about Hawthorne. Now, 
Hawthorne won a grand final three years ago. They won a premiership, right? Two years ago, they played in a semi-final and finished second on the ladder. No, fourth on the ladder. In the top four, whatever. Um, last year, they finished 13th and everybody thought, oh, they're going to collapse, including me. I had them finishing 14th or something. You had them about the same. Yep. Um, and now they look like they're probably... Definitely, definitely going to make the eight and like probably going to do better than that. Um, they, they look like a seriously good side. So I'm going to highlight some of the points as to why Hawthorne has made the fastest rebuild of all time. Number one, the coach, Alistair Clarkson, is a four-time premiership coach. The man is an absolute genius. That's all that needs to be said on that. Number two, the superstar, Tom Mitchell, is averaging 40 disposals a game this season. That's all I'm going to say. That's all he that needs to be said. clearances on the weekend whilst being tagged. <laughs> He's, he's ridiculous. We, we talked about him in the past. Enough has been said already. Third of all, the experience. Just some of the players that like hold up this top tier of this side. They are just some of the most experienced premiership players going around. Sean Burgoyne, Danny, um, Danny... I was going to say Danny Frawley, but it's not Danny Frawley. It's the other one. Uh, James. James, James Frawley, um, Isaac Smith, Jack Gunston, Luke Bruce, Liam Shields, Cyril Rioli. These guys have won a variety amount of premierships, ranging from one, two to three or four. Uh, they are as experienced as it gets for young players. Speaking of young players, their youth is exceptional. Ryan Burton, James Sicily, Jaguar Amira are all top-tier players. And then the roles being played by Hardwick, Howe, O'Brien and Brandt have been very important to helping keep this side afloat. And not just afloat, but excelling to that next standard. Number five, the captain. Now, this is arguably the most important point for me. But the man that has been through hell and back. This is a man that has, like, been forced out of the game due to cancer. Like, you can have all of the reasons of why things are going wrong in your life and, and pick and choose and all of the things, and I get that. But this is a man that actually had cancer, spent a large amount of time on the sidelines, then came back, and is now having a great season. He's playing really well. Anybody that's watched him over the last few weeks, he's been one of the premier forwards in the competition. I, I think he's an absolute inspiration to all the football players in the world, and he's playing fantastic footy as well, so that helps. Number six, they're the rejects. So Hawthorne have managed to pick up two players from other clubs who were arguably not wanted and managed to turn them into some of the most versatile and useful players for the side. Number one, we've seen Jarman Impey has been fantastic this season. Admittedly, only four games into his Hawthorne career, so I can't go too early on him, but he's electric. He provides them the run and dash they need. Number two is one that'll surprise you, I reckon. Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson was like in and out of the Adelaide side. Had some good games occasionally, but was, you know, never really a lock in the side. He's been really solid for Hawthorne. He's just one of your solid utility players that does whatever you need him to do every week. And that's an inspiration. My final point is the losses, right? And this is why it's the best rebuild of all time. Is this is a side that three years ago was on the back of its third premiership in a row and fourth premiership in the last 10 years, and they're back again. This is some of the players that they've lost over the last three years, right, that they've had to deal with. Luke Hodge left. Sam Mitchell left. Jordan Lewis left. Josh Gibson left. Bradley Hill left. Billy Hartung left. Brian Lake left. David Hale and Matt Suckling all have departed over the last three years. Again, count the premierships, count the Brownlow medals, count the Norm Smiths, count the All-Australians. Those are some of the... Those players will honestly be in the Hall of Fame. They are some of the best players of all time. And they have had to replace them over the last two years and turn them not into a final side, but into a side that looks genuinely competitive for the premiership. And, and that's, that's all I can say, is they took Richmond last year's premiers and tested them. Sure, they didn't actually beat them on the day, but they've beaten Melbourne, Geelong, and Collingwood, who... Turns out, aren't that terrible? Um, <laughs> and they tested last year's premiers. This is a side who 
I cannot believe at the rate in which they have turned it around. And Alistair Clarkson deserves all the praise in the world that he can be given because I thought they were going to flop. Last year, they were average at best. And this year, they are very good once again. And to me, that's incredible. Yeah, I can't argue with much of that. I'll add Grant Birchall to that list as well. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he, he's, a, he's a good player, I think. He's still at the club, technically. He's just knees not working. Now, penalty shootout. It's uh, five rounds. So this is the final round, and we do something different this time. Uh, so both of us get the freedom to do essentially whatever we want. It could be something that's totally related to football or something that has like the slightest resemblance to football but really isn't and is more of a joke more than anything. We uh, flex our creative muscles. And uh, Alex, you're up first this week, and uh, ooh, I'm looking forward to this. What's... Uh, What's happening today? So I am taking the opportunity to do something that I rarely do in general in life, let alone on the show, and that is apologize. (laughs) (laughs) So approximately just over a year ago, uh, you and I were doing an analysis of the upcoming season in which I tore apart a whole bunch of Richmond players um, and said basically that they were going nowhere with their careers, um, you know, Perfectly respectful things for a human to say about another person. Sorry, this was at the end of the 2016 season, right? No, this was at the beginning of the 2017 season. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. Um, and so, you know, Richmond won the premiership last year and that was all well and good. But, you know, they could have just done a Western Bulldogs and been a bit of a fluke. Richmond are a really good side. And, for the, okay, I'm... It was different last year, and I, and I genuinely believe that, that if your side wins a premiership, you can do it out of sheer will sometimes. And I thought Richmond did that last year. They've actually gotten better. Despite the fact that they might not be on top of the ladder right now, they are a better side than they were when they won the premiership because they're not relying on win- willpower anymore. They're actually a good side. They've got good players. So I am going to do an in-memoriam, so to speak, um, for all of my dignity as I apologise to all of the different Richmond players that I incorrectly evaluated at the time. So um, if, if you're ready, I will, I will begin my um, in-memoriam with Nick Floston. <laughs> Nick Floston, my apologies. You're a good player. Um, adding... Dylan Grimes, one of the most heroic acts I've ever seen on a football field on the weekend. Just fantastic defensive efforts. Brandon Ellis, you're you're a a good player. I called you lazy at the time. You're you're a good player. Sean Grigg, I thought you were done when you left Carlton. Turns out you still got something left. I'm so disappointed in myself. Shane Edwards, you're one of the few I generally rated, but I just wanted to put you on here anyway because I still rate you. Jason Castagna. You kicked three goals on the weekend. I still don't know how. He's the one that genuinely perplexes me. I don't actually understand how he's so good, but yet he is good. I, I don't get it. Anyway, moving on. David Asprey, you are one of the best fullbacks in the league. I did not think I'd be saying that a year ago. Jane Short, ah, oh, you're fine. Jacob Townsend, you kick a lot of goals from the goal square, and admittedly, that's a little cheap, but you play an important cog in the Richmond machine. Josh Caddy. Now, he's a gun. Josh Caddy's a genuine gun, and I didn't think he was last year. Kane Lambert. He's just a fantastic half forward, Kane Lambert. I'm very sad to say that. Reese Conker. (laughs) I don't have many to go, don't worry. (laughs) Reese Conker, you've been injury cursed, and yet you're still a decent player. I'm so surprised. Anyway, Camden Mash. I genuinely thought you were terrible. I 
you are the biggest surprise on here for me. I, I thought you were done, man. I, I thought you were trash. Anyway, Jack Graham, we talked about you earlier. All you do is get tackles, but apparently that's enough to be a good player nowadays. <laughs> so credit to you, Jack Graham. You get tackles. Nathan Broad is my final one. You may do a lot of inappropriate and arguably illegal things, but you're a good footballer. And apparently in this current world, doing illegal and inappropriate things doesn't matter if you're a good footballer. So well done, Nathan Broad. Credit where you deserve. You're a good player. And that is my list of players that I apologise to as sincerely as I can. You're, you're good footballers. And not just like that you play football and that's good. You are genuinely good footballers. And credit to you. So, my apologies. Did you want to apologise to uh, Cochin for attacking his captaincy a few years ago whilst you are at it? Or? I never attacked Cochin's captaincy that hard. Okay. Captaincy is such a internal thing. It's not really about what you do in the footy field, I think, that much. I'm, I'm much more willing to go after players based on what I see them do in the footy field. Something like captaincy, I think, is a, think is a bit harsh. But anyway, that is my... That was a lot of players. I love the music, by the way. <laughs> that is... There was a lot of players I had to apologise to. And Shane Edwards. I've, I've always rated Shane Edwards. <laughs> Look, it needed to be said. I needed to apologise. I'm glad it's over. It's your turn. What have you got for your end segment? This is worrying because I'm actually going to talk about Richmond, but in a different light completely. Um, I'm not even going to talk about the game on the weekend. Richmond passed a historic milestone this week. They hit 90,000 members. It's the first time it's ever been done by a football club, which is pretty ridiculous. Now, I had a look at the membership deals. I'm not actually one of them, by the way, which is ridiculous enough to say. I had a look at the different membership deals, and like the main one is uh, the $26 a month one that gets you to... Um, all the home games, essentially. And uh, I could have done, like, an average of the price of all of them, but I decided to just take that one as the most used one for my calculation. So I times that by six for six months of the AFL season. So that's $162. Now, 90000 times $162 equals $14,580,000 spent on the Richmond Football Club. And there's 90000 Richmond, you know, members, let alone fans, going... I think Melbourne's in a pretty dangerous spot at the moment. Like, this is pretty dangerous. Like, there's been a lot of things that have happened over the years that's pretty like, uh-oh, like, this caused trouble. This is up there. Yeah. So I've decided to come up with a list of things that are less dangerous than 90,000 Richmond fans becoming members in <laughs> Melbourne that are cheaper, that uh, you could okay. still afford for $14 million. Okay. So back in the day of uh, World War Two. It cost $100,000 to build a tiger tank, which which taken into an inflation is $1.2 million today. You could get 12 tiger tanks for the amount of money, and still, I think 90,000 Richmond members is more dangerous than that. I would argue about that, but sure. You could also get a Sukhoi Su-25K Frogfoot, which is a type of fighter jet. <laughs> which is just under 14 million. Now, it's actually been used in just about every global conflict you can think of. Like it's if it's if there's been a conflict, it's been there. It's one of the most used ones ever um by Russia. And I still argue that 90,000 Richmond members is more dangerous than that. That's a bit different cuz like 12 tanks could do a lot of damage, but like one jet is is 
I reckon less damaging. Okay, and my next one on the list is... I tried to find the cost for this, but it didn't let me. I was trying to see if you could hire, like, a secret service person. (laughs) Turns out you can only hire people who are ex-secret service, so, like, veterans. But it didn't give me a cost, but I assume it's quite a lot. But I assume that (laughs) $14,580,000 is enough to order or hire someone that's worked in the secret service. I reckon I could hire you a squadron. I'd be scared of the damage you could do with that. (laughs) An ex-secret service squadron. So, who wins just briefly, who went to the fight? An ex-Secret Service squadron or 90,000 Richmond fans? I still think 90,000 Richmond fans. Just like, sheer numbers? That, that's just dangerous, man. Yeah. You can't have people that passionate running through the streets of Melbourne and Punt Road. Like, I'm just staying away from Punt Road at the moment. Now, you could also purchase 10 Tomahawk long-range cruise <laughs> missiles <laughs> for $14 million. You could purchase 10 of those. Do they come in like a 10-pack? Or is it like buy nine, get one free? No, it's it's you buy ten of one. <laughs> I don't think there's a we'll get one free when it comes to long range cruise missiles. There really Alex. should be. They, they want to incentivize the purchasing. I don't think they're for public sale. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> Anyways, those are the dangerous things. Now, I've actually just I know we're running short on time, but I'm going to throw out three more things that I bumped into that aren't particularly dangerous, but are like, uh, yeah. So, with $14,580,000, you could buy 500,000 acres worth of lunar land on the moon from lunarland.com, which is supposedly, I quote, the oldest, most recognised celestial real estate agency. (laughs) 500,000 acres, Alex. That is a lot. Like... That's, that's a lot of acres. That's a lot of acres. That's a lot of uh, Blake acres. <laughs> Sorry, pardon my uh, St Kilda football pun. I just love the oldest, most recognised celestial real estate agency. <laughs> is it really real estate if it's the moon? Who knows? Anyways, the next thing is you could, with $14 million, you could buy every ticket to a music concert with your favourite band. So you would be the only person in the crowd. Oh, that'd be so cool. Not like, very dangerous, but that'd be so cool. Yeah, I know. Like, I'm I'm sure they would be disappointed, the band, but, like, it'd be, like, your own private thing. Like, that's pretty cool. And lastly, you could buy every single limited edition samurai sword in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so there's 10 of them at 300,000 each. You could buy them all. That is arguably pretty dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, control of the moon's pretty dangerous as well. But no, it was mainly made for those four things previous. So you could buy 12 Tiger Tanks, a fighter jet called Frogfoot, cool, an ex-service, secret service squadron, and 10 Tomahawk long-range cruise missiles. And I still argue 90,000 Richmond members is more dangerous. I would happy to argue the contrary, but sure. (laughs) Now, we've got to wrap up quickly because we haven't got too much time. But uh, Alex and I have done our deliberation on the five rounds. So uh, Alex has won at 3-2, unfortunately. Good job to you, Alex. Uh, So Alex won with the upside-down world, which I really like the pumped-up kicks. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, And then you also got the Brisbane, uh, your analysis on how poor all their middle-tier players are. And saying that, my Tasmania joke wasn't really a joke. So, like, pretty low standard in that round. Um, I got it with the talls, talking about how bad the talls are in the league, or at least the young ones. And I've I've selected one too many. You've gone the wrong one. So then I then won it with my Hawthorne analysis, which was 
just yeah. top notch. Credit to your um, Newcastle Jets scoring more goals than most of the teams in the AFL was an, it was a lovely piece of uh, witty observation for you. And then you did actually get the final point for your list of things more dangerous than the Richmond fans. Less dangerous. Less dangerous than the Richmond fans. Whilst I didn't really buy into the premise, I did love the analysis of like <laughs> 12 tanks and all of the other things. Despite my emotional... Um, rendition to the new car. Ah, sorry, to the Richmond fans, which I thought was very emotional. We got to get to our tips now, and we start with Sydney Adelaide on Friday night. This is going to be an absolute blockbuster. Who do you think will win yeah, this? Yeah, this one? is much better game than all the games last week. I'm going to go Sydney by ten points. I was just always going to tip the opposite of whoever you tipped. So I'm going to tip Adelaide by 10 points. <laughs> well, <laughs> similar margin. There you go. Uh, to a much more interesting game for someone who wants to do some St Kilda bashing. Uh, St Kilda players GWS. GWS, 55. GWS by uh, 45. Uh, yeah, I don't really think you guys are a chance. There. Carlton West Coast. West Coast can't play at the MCG, but Carlton can't play anywhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, Carlton said. can't play football is just a better way of putting it. Yep. I'm going to go West Coast by 44. Yeah, West Coast by... I think I'm hoping to put better effort, so 23. Port Adelaide then hosts Geelong over in Adelaide on Saturday night. Uh, Ooh, you're just going to go whoever I don't go here, aren't you? Probably, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go Port Adelaide by 24. I really rate them. Can Geelong afford to lose this game, though? That's my question. That, to go 2-3 and three down for a side that wants to finish in the top four. Oh, but yeah, I think Port Adelaide's going to win. That's the th- Nah, Geelong. Geelong by, Geelong by 20 points. I'm going out in the limb. Then Fremantle Bulldogs. This could be an interesting game if Bulldogs keep it up, but I don't think they are. In fact, every week Alex and I do one game in which we think one team's going to be up by 50 points very quickly. And this may surprise you, but I'm going to pick this game. Really? That's good because I'm going to hit the Bulldogs. I'm going to pick Freo going to be up by 50 early in the third quarter. Interesting. I've watched the Bulldogs the last two weeks and been very impressed. They look like a much, much better side. So I'll say the Bulldogs by 31 points. I'm fairly confident as well. North Melbourne v Hawthorne in my game, in which I will say a team will be up by more than 50 points by a short period. And I will say Hawthorne will be beating North Melbourne by more than 50 points by, mm, I don't know, let's say halfway through the second quarter. North oh, Melbourne sucks. Yeah, fair enough. I'm going to go Hawthorne by 42. Hawthorne by 42. Decent. Brisbane v Gold Coast for the... The Q Clash! The most interesting game that anyone's ever seen. The game that we most look forward to, forward to all year. Has there ever been one Q Clash that anyone's looked forward to? Well, I imagine if you live in Queensland, you might. But besides that, not really. Well, with finals implications, then. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Gold Coast? I want to say Gold... I reckon Gold Coast. Let's say Gold Coast. By- Brisbane by 42. I'll say Gold Coast by 15. Uh, Melbourne v Richmond in what has become a perennial um, Anzac Day Eve match. Um, I'm very much looking forward to this. locked out of. Yes. We'll talk about that story next week. There's a solid story there. Um, I'm going to go Richmond by 22. I want to tip Melbourne, but I watched them on the weekend and they were really bad. So I'm going to say Richmond by 35. Fair enough. And then Collingwood Essendon in the Anzac Day match. Uh, Unfortunately, we won't actually... Oh, do you know what just occurred to me? Two of the games next round we're not going to be able to do with the Tuesday show, unfortunately. Uh, true. We'll, we'll have to cover them the week after then. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go Collingwood by 23. That's ambitious. I will say Essendon by 40. I think Collingwood's... Don't get me wrong, they were good in the weekend, but I reckon it's a fluke. Fair enough. Uh, Collingwood at the MCG, I like. Anyways, uh, we're back on radio. Yeah, so we're usually from three to four, but if we start a little bit later, we'll j- we're essentially just going to go an hour for all of you guys at home. Um, 
I hope you really enjoyed it. So I'm going to get started the Facebook page. We we have one from last year, which is left in a train wreck. So I'm going to fix that up after this show. Um, then we're going to start posting these as podcasts on Omni and iTunes for those who want to listen to it at a later date. Um, that's fine with us. So I'll get those up in the next couple of days for you all. Just like the Facebook page and essentially you'll get the um, notifications for when we're posting those out. My name's Chuck. My name's Alex Henry. Goodbye. Goodbye.